Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. I'm going to move up a little. Um, uh, if y'all don't know who I am, my name is David Barber. I get the uh, amazing privilege to teach from time to time and uh, really enjoy that. Um, this particular lesson, though, uh, is a little different. It's um, not what I would normally do. Uh, my background is uh, I graduated from Tennessee Temple and, Den- and Dallas Seminary. Uh, so what I, I like to do is let the scripture uh, speak for me. Uh, I don't like to say uh, much, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's more difficult to share uh, in large groups than it is in small groups. I'm really pretty open. I'm kind of an open book, uh, I think. Um, of course, my two children in the back of the room here are going to crawl into the table today, I guess. <laughs> but Jim asked us to do some lessons based on the character of the Bible that we most relate with and why. And um, boy, that's been an interesting journey um, because typically, I mean, my, my pat answer has always been Joseph. You know, it's always been Joseph. I've always thought of, but I did what every, you know, man of God does, and we went and asked our wife what she really thought <laughs> about this. And, and, you know, Joseph is, you know, uh, he gets thrown in prison for doing what was right. He makes some hard choices, and he prospers where, you know, he blooms where he's planted kind of thing and so forth. Um, and, and, and I like to think of myself that way, um, not necessarily that Joseph was a bit thick, you know, keep telling his brothers what God told him, even though it was, you know, that is me too. So the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all, you know, there and so forth. But uh, discussing it with Margie, um, she just really felt that Nehemiah was a better fit. And so I started looking at that. Like, you know, just like normal, she's right. <laughs> Um, God and men, let's let's keep this straight. You know, I've, I've, you've probably heard me say this before. God built women with more antennas than He built us with, and it's to our benefit that we listen to that. So, um, and so that's where we're going to talk, talk about Nehemiah for a little bit today. Um, um, you know, uh, Nehemiah. Um, if you don't know the the basics of the story, let me just give you kind of an outline. All right, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, who was the, uh, the king of Persia at the time. And um, he felt a call by God to go back to, the, to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. The walls had been torn down. Uh, the gates had been burned. Uh, Jerusalem was in shambles. Uh, it, they, were, they were a hot mess, all right? So they, they just... Um, didn't have anything going for them at all. And he felt that he should go back and, and, and rebuild the temple. And through a series of circumstances and so forth, he gets permission from the king, he gets funds from the king. I mean, God just blesses this whole thing. He goes back there and he leads the nation of Israel through a series of uh, events that rebuild the walls and it's the, the, the story of Nehemiah is a story of him going through that. And that's the, that's the part 
that I wanted to kind of talk through tonight, uh, this morning. Um, so being, he had a, this really high position of prominence and so forth, so um, God just puts him up on a pl- in a place, in a position where he can do something uh, that God specifically directed him to. And I feel that that's, that's the way, you know, my life has gone. Um, I uh, worked with an organization, a company here in town called VIP Gift. We built the company. I was the second person in the door um, uh, with the company. It's uh, the gentleman who uh, used to own the loft restaurant, Hamid Andalib. He uh, built this company. It was a, it's a, it was a uh, incentive and loyalty company, and we built systems for the Fortune 1000. Um, traveled all over the country uh, and the world, uh, building uh, incentive and loyalty systems for people like AT&T, Dell, ADP, a lot of big companies. <clears throat> and we built the company from zero to 150 employees, 120 million a year, you know, and you know, it was a great thing until we sold it to a group of venture capitalists that killed it in two years. Um, and 150 of my friends lost their jobs. And uh, I worked out my, uh, my part of the bargain and so forth and the sales agreement and so forth. And uh, it, was, it was a great experience. I feel like God put me in a particular position and place for a season in order to accomplish, you know, a certain number of things. Same way with Nehemiah. It doesn't mean that it stayed, because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the history of Israel is up and down, up and down, up and down. So, just like the rest of us. So, in looking at Nehemiah, I looked at for the best series on Nehemiah that I could find, and it was on jim314.com, because <laughs> Jim in tw- uh, 2013... I uh, did a series on Nehemiah. So I took just a little bit of, a, uh, of the outline of Jim's work, and uh, the most sincere form of flattery is plagiarism. So I just went ahead and stole it. <laughs> and, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through four sections here, um, kind of the, the praying for a great work, the preparing for a great work, the participating in a great work, and then performing a great work. And we're going to work through those. And then I'm just going to make some comments and hopefully they just kind of relate to wh- where you are. And that's my prayer this morning is that, you know, what God's done in my life it relates to what God's doing in your life. And we can kind of share in that, and that's the way we'll w- work through this. So the concept of praying for, for a great work, um, you know, there's some people that uh, have a prayer room, that have a, a, a vibrant prayer life. Um, uh, my, my prayer life looks like, uh, the steering wheel of a Ford Expedition. That's, that's the, where, that's where I pray. Um, I typically pray as I'm walking, as I'm moving. I don't sit still very well. Um, I went and asked Jim for a stool this morning and yet I'm pacing. So there, there you go. There you have it. It's, uh, uh, that's just the way, I, that's the way I am. And for a long time, I, I used to think, Lord, why don't I pray more? Why, why don't I, you know, get down on my knees and sweat it out and just, you know, cry out to God and, and so forth? And because there's people that, are, that, that, that talk about this vibrant prayer life, and not only do I not have it, 
I'm not going to go get it either, <laughs> you know? Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not every bit as sincere in where, in my relationship and communion and conversation with God. Um, and I think, I don't want to in any way discourage someone from, or, or, or ditz that type of, type of prayer life, because frankly, you know, I would love to have that. Um, but this is the way God wired me. And I pray, I worship with my hands, I worship with my feet, I worship and I, I, I pray to God as I'm moving. Um, uh, I've anointed uh, computer systems with oil. Uh, <laughs> so that's where I, that's where I'm at in my life right now is is uh, doing a lot of a lot of IT work and so forth. So, it, it but the the attitude of prayer is always there, and that's just I, I feel even though uh, Nehemiah had some real specific things to say uh, to God in uh, Nehemiah one two says. Uh, um, that he uh, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews and uh, concerning Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was, um, uh, he was comfortable. Uh, Josh Hunt says, Nehemiah was comfortable in his position. We read um, in Esther where uh, the king there did, uh, did not let any troubling word come to him. Uh, godly people at times look for trouble. They look for problems that God can use them to solve. They don't bury their heads in the sand. They explore themselves um, uh, to the pain that is in the world. Um, and so as I'm praying and moving and I'm active, um, the way I kind of approach life is I'm always looking for trouble. Uh, I kind of like it. Um, I'm a bit on the confrontational side. Um, I don't mind those uncomfortable conversations. Um, and so as, as I pray, that's usually where I find myself. I find myself, you know, um, in a position to uh, address things that are not necessarily... Um, I, I, I find myself addressing things that are countercultural. Um, I, I, I have this aversion to... Um, Bumper sticker theology, um, platitudes, um, a lot of things that um, uh, people would say are, oh, this is the way it, ha- it is. You know, you know, we uh, church has to start at ten o'clock, or church has to start at eleven o'clock. It's always start at eleven. That's the first thing I want to do is just buck that, <laughs> because it's about God. It's not about our tradition. It's not about, you know, traditions are good, but at the same time, it, the traditions have to drive you toward God. And, and so, um, I, I, the way I approach life is that if there's a problem to fix, I'm all about it. You know, uh, I'll walk through the church on a Sunday morning just looking for something out of place um, and looking for something to fix. That's just the way, that's the way God wired me. That's the way I, I. That's the way I work. And Nehemiah was the same way. He was looking for something to fix. God gave it to him, so he's all about that. Um, let's go down in the notes a little bit. It says, "For I am the king's cupbearer. Um, I'm a number two man. Uh, always have, always will. And what I mean by that is that I typically work best if 
if I've got someone who has a strong vision, knows where they're going, knows what needs to get accomplished, and then my job is to get them there as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible with the, their integrity still intact. And that's just the way I approach the world. My, uh, um, my personal mission statement that I developed probably almost 20 years ago uh, when I was at the uh, um, um, Chattanooga Christian Community Foundation, they were running, a, or the Chattanooga Resource Foundation was running a leadership thing. Um, went through that and I developed my personal mission statement. It was to help other people and Christian organizations reach their full potential for impacting the kingdom of God through proper use of administration. And that's just the way. Um, it, 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 that became the most, that was the most natural thing for me. And so if I'm looking at something I want to get them there as efficiently as, and, and quickly as possible. Uh, I can be a number one man if I need to be. I can stand up. I can lead. I can give a direction and so forth. But it's not where I'm most comfortable. I'm most comfortable working with somebody who, if God gives me something to do, and God is the great number one man, <laughs> uh, so uh, if he, God gives me something, you know, it really doesn't matter what gets in my way. I'll steamroll right over it to, to get it done. Um, and in my life, that's meant uh, making some decisions that don't necessarily make sense to everybody else around me. Um, walking away from a, a, a lucrative position working for a Silicon Valley company, you know, while I'm working, having a Silicon Valley uh, salary working out of my home in Chattanooga it just makes way too much sense, right? <laughs> But walking away from that and taking a 50% pay cut to go work at my daughter's Christian school as the IT director, that doesn't make necessarily sense to people. But it did to me. Because that's what God told me to do. So I really don't care what anybody else thinks. That's what we're doing. And so I think Nehemiah had that same kind of attribute where God told him, you know, he was in a position of prominence. He was... Um, the cupbearer to the king, which so he drank the wine before the, drink, uh, the king drank it and so forth. It was one of the most trusted positions, but he walked away from that to go do what God told him to do. And I don't have a problem with that. Other people sometimes do, but I don't have a problem with that. Um, and uh, to me, that's where I'm comfortable. Uh, moving on, preparing for a great work. Nehemiah 2 through 9 through 16. Um, in verse 11 it says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night. And Jim said, so, so he did nothing for three days. Timing's everything. I and a few men with me, I told no one my, uh, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Um, Nehemiah um, capitalized on one of my, I guess what I might say is one of my more irritating attributes, uh, and that is um, I like to define what the problem really is. Because if you don't know what the problem really is, what, it doesn't matter what sl great solution you come up with, it's wrong. If you don't know what really is going bad right now, if you don't know really what 
If you if you haven't defined what what the problem is effectively, it doesn't matter what solution you come up with. It's not going to solve the problem because you're solving solving the wrong problem. I get misunderstood a good bit about that as being a bit negative, and it's not. I just want to get it right. I want to get it to where it's going to be effective, efficient. You know, it's gonna it's gonna impact the kingdom of God. That's where I want to go with it. Um, but um, in in drilling down through uh, a, a Christian organization, secular organization, whatever, there's a whole lot of sacred cows, and there's a whole lot of things that people are holding on to. Uh, whether it's the color of the carpeting, or it's you know so and so's always had that cl- Sunday school classroom, or 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 anything like that, uh, you start getting you start stepping on toes when you're like <coughs> nothing is beyond consideration of changing, and that makes people very uncomfortable at times. <laughs> Most of the time, that makes people very uncomfortable. I don't have a problem with change. Why? Because my focus is getting it right. Now, sometimes it's my view of what's right. <laughs> and I had this aha moment when I was about 21. And I was the, um, uh, assi- one of the assistants to the Dean of Men at Word of Life Bible Institute. And um, it was this late, later than it should have been aha moment when I realized that other people just don't think about things the same way I do. I'm like, wait, 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 you don't think that that's the right way to do that? How in the world could you ever consider that that's not the right way to do that? <laughs> and so that's where balance started to come in, uh, where, uh, and that's when gray hair started uh, coming on and uh, started realizing that, you know, um, if I disagree with another, if, if I, looking to do whatever God wants me to do, completely disagree with somebody else who is a godly person, then one of two things is taking place. Either I don't have all the information, and that's typically the situation, okay? I don't have the information that they have, or they don't have the information I have, and we need to facilitate some communication there because. Two godly people, all both wanting whatever God wants, ought to be on the same page, right? So, either that's the situation, or one of us isn't as godly as we think we are. <laughs> uh, and that, that happens a great deal, too, because usually there's sacred cows involved, and, you know, we need to make some sacred burgers, um, and, 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 and figure out how to, how to make, because it should be consistent. And so... Um, that's just, uh, I, I run into that a, a great deal. Um, but tact has, has, has increased over the last years uh, in dealing with that. What's that? Said oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good, because if you want the college bill paid. <laughs> um Um, dealing with, uh, uh, drilling down and dealing with real issues and, and really what the problem is in organizations, that can be uh, the hardest part of the entire solution. 
once everybody agrees on what needs to take place, it's a whole lot easier. But that's 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 usually the hardest thing that I face. Uh, let's go on to verse uh, 19. It says, but when Sanballat, uh, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite uh, uh, official, and Geshem, the uh, Arab, heard it, they laughed and mocked at him, um, at us, and despised us, and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Uh, will you rebel against the king? David Guzik says, opposition is always difficult, but when it comes to brothers, it then mix, uh, it, it is then mixed with uh, the pain of betrayal as, as well. Um, and let, let's look at how he answered. It says, so I answered them and said, said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Um, this is what I, in my, my section here says, I'm also surprised at where opposition comes from when I'm doing what God's called me to do. Typically, it comes from bumper sticker theology, Christian platitudes, or misrepresented theology. My three favorite are the do good, get good, do bad, get bad theology. It's not true. Uh, just because you do the right thing doesn't mean that you're going to get blessed. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's going to be favor or any one of the other words uh, that, uh, that our modern Christian theology has developed to try to you know, say, if you do the right thing, you're going to get the right thing. It's not a promise in Scripture. It's not even, uh, it's alluded to in the book of Proverbs. It doesn't mean it's coming in this life. Many times it comes in the next life, okay? And our focus is doing on what God's told us to do, not going after the prize, okay? So it's, it's amazing uh, how often that that's used to um, guilt Christians into doing a certain thing. You want to be blessed, don't you? You want the if if you're not if you're not healthy if you're not wealthy if you're not you know living this perfect little Christian microcosm life then 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 something's wrong you're you're doing something wrong and and you're not you're not blessed and they try to guilt you into I mean when I was growing up uh, when I was young, uh, a young believer it was not going to movies or not doing this or not doing that and it's a whole list of do not do's. Okay, uh, it's the, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's you know giving to the right organization, and then you'll be then you'll be blessed, or or those types of things. None of those things are are, are in scripture. Uh, some of the worst that I've run into working for a number of Christian organizations have been the uh, the pastoral authority uh, thing. That because they're a past, that because they're a spiritual leader, that means that they have authority in all things, including your pocketbook or the budget, or all these other you know, things that don't pertain to spiritual. Now, I'm not negating the fact that there is leadership in the church. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a misrepresentation of that at, at, at times. And just do it. And that's because they haven't given up on their sacred cow yet. <laughs> just do it. And, and um, so the... Uh, 
opposition to, to what God's told you to do, more often now, I'm more patient with someone else to come around. Um, I'm more willing to let someone uh, trip over their own theology uh, and, and go through some, some hurt on, their, on themselves and let God do the work in their heart rather than uh, seeing that I need to be the one doing the work on their heart. Um, so uh, the opposition still comes frequently, but uh, I find myself now uh, uh, waiting, being more patient, and letting those things uh, work, them, work their way out. And uh, um, still doesn't always happen, right, Bethany? <laughs> She's my conscience uh, many times, especially with a speedometer. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go on. Uh, uh, Nehemiah 3. Uh, that whole section, it's really an interesting thing. Nehemiah names all those that were doing the good work. When, when good, hard, uh, excellent work is done, um, pass along the credit. Um, be really, really... Um, Flagrant in 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 passing along the credit that other uh, when somebody does uh, does something good or does something right, um, because this next section really speaks to that. And let's let's just read through uh, verse sixteen. So it was from this time uh, that that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held or displayed spears, shields, bows, war armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried the burdens uh, loaded themselves so that one hand uh, they worked at construction, the other hand uh, and the other held a, a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. The one who sounded the trumpet typically would be the person that would be standing next to the leader, taking the orders, sounding the trumpet, and that was their texting system uh, for, uh, for this age. That's how they communicated. That's how they got the word out. If they wanted you to move this direction, you heard one trumpet sound. If you wanted to move this direction, we heard another trumpet down. If you heard uh, a particular trumpet sound, you went this way, and <laughs> you backed up, and then, of course, there's the charge and so forth. That was the communication. He was usually standing right next to the general. So if he, the, the, the person sounding the horn is standing next to him working, that means everybody was involved in the task. My experience in most organizations, secular and particularly Christian, the 80-20 rule applies. Typically, 80% of the work is done by about 20% of the people. Now, a lot of those 20 percenters are right here in this room. So I get that, okay? But way, way too often, we burn out our 20 percenters because we, there's other people that aren't stepping up. In this situation, everybody stepped up. There's 100% participation. There's still the um, uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem uh, that were all, you know, throwing the... Uh, uh, throwing, throwing the insults 
and trying to get them off track and so forth. That still was happening. But as far as the workforce, everybody inside the city, you know, everybody moved into the city for a period of time. They all worked hard. They all made this happen. And in just, you know, 50 plus days, they accomplished a, an amazing task. Why? Because everybody got involved. I did a great deal of research um, in seminary about the great revivals of the United States. It, the only way revival came to an area of the country or to, to a group of people is when everybody repented. Everybody was involved. That's the key to, to the Great Awakening, um, all of uh, Jonathan Edwards' uh, great work and so forth, and the great revivals uh, early in, 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 in uh, uh, U.S. history, all of it, 100% participation in repentance. Okay? Same sort of thing here. 100% participation in it. And real success happens when that rules, when the 80-20 rule is broken and everyone gets involved. Um, I'm typically, uh, I keep myself busy. Um, I, to a point where, you know, at times I drop the ball on a few things because I just got too many balls that I'm juggling, okay? And that's just the way I'm, I'm wired. I, I, I don't sit still well. Um, uh, it's ter- my wife's love language is quality time, and she wants me to sit, sit there and watch something with her. And I've, I've got techniques to do that. <laughs> Usually includes a laptop. But, <laughs> but uh, I have a very difficult time sitting still. If I'm sitting still too long, usually what happens? I fall asleep, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so the thing I can say there is that uh, you know whether you're a 20%er or not. That's just, you, you just know that, okay? Um, but let me encourage you, you know, uh, to, to get involved because um, that's, where, that's where the action is with God. And that's when great works get done. Performing a great work, Nehemiah 3 through, uh, chapters 3 through 6. Let's just say this in chapter 6. It says, so I sent messengers to them saying, uh, this is when um, Sambat, Tobiah, Geshem, where they... Um, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to uh, lure Nehemiah out of the city, trying to get him to you know, kind of come meet him, to travel a day and a half to come meet them, and then travel a day and a half back. So be out of the work for three days. You know, they're trying to get him off task. And so forth, he says, So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Essentially, uh, sink to your level. Why should, I, uh, why should the work cease while I leave it and go down uh, and sink, sink myself down to your level? But they sent out uh, me a message four times. I answered them in the same manner. He was focused. He was laser beam focused on exactly what, what, what God had given him to do. And when I get focused... I do some really bad things. I stop talking to people. I ignore my phone. I ignore email. All seven accounts on my phone. You know, I, I, 
I, I just get really intense. Um, uh, Margie hates it when I get into a bathroom remodel because it is, you know, it's all on, you know, and, and I'm just all in and nothing else matters. It's just I'm focused on it. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, it can be a bad thing when you, you know, uh, if, you, if, you, if you let it. Just like any other, you know, great uh, spiritual gift or, or anything, if it's overexpressed, it can become a negative. But focus is really, really a, a good thing. Um, it didn't come out in your, uh, in your handout. Uh, it, says, uh, it says, I never met. And what it means is it, it says, actually, I never met a checkbox I didn't like. Um, I'm, I'm a task-oriented person. You know, if you ask me to do something, if I don't write it down, it, it's not going to get done. Uh, Trish knows that. I do some work with a company that she works for. Uh, and, you know, you've got to text it to me, email it to me, and it'll get done. But if, uh, if, I, if, if I don't have it on it, I work off a task list uh, all day at work. I work off a task list at home. Uh, I, ch- I love checking off the dishes done. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd put a checkbox there for going to the bathroom if I thought it'd help, but it doesn't. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's just the way I work. I work off a checklist, task list, and so forth. And I, I you know, when when you're doing a great work or when you're doing something for God, focus is really important. Um, This whole exercise, to me, the lessons learned out of this are more about the self-inspection than it is about who Nehemiah was and how I relate to him. And so when you look at the apply and personalize, it doesn't really have much to do with Nehemiah. I think everybody ought to teach this class in this way. Um, I, don't, I don't personally take enough time to sit down and self-inspect. But for me particularly, I had a really difficult time coming out of, um, coming out of college and, and getting into the groove of how God had really made me and wired me and wor- made me to work. Uh, it really almost took 10 years I took every test imaginable. I took the personality test. I took the, you know, the four, every four-quadrant test I took, I ended up smack dab in the middle. I took a left-brain, right-brain test, and I it came out as an integrated thinker. I, it was the most frustrating 10 years trying to, I'm like, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'm just going to go do it, all right? Just tell me. I don't know. <laughs> and... It was, it was a journey that God took me through to try to figure some of these things out about myself. And along those lines, I did all the normal stuff. I went and got you know, spiritual counsel about these things. I got some really bad advice. I went to my um, college and career director, and I said, look, I just, I just like helping people. I just want to do some good things and so forth. Great, you're called to the ministry. You need to go to Bible college. You need to go to seminary. You need to go. 
All of that was good stuff. God used that. All right? But that was really bad advice. Because we're all called to that. And I was expressing what every believer should, should express is that they want to help people. Right? That doesn't mean that you need to go to Bible college and, and so forth. You know, I'm wired for business. That's the way I'm, you know, I work most effectively there. And I, I'm about the business of the church. And that's where I've always found my stride is when I'm in the administration of Christian ministries. That's where, that's where, that's where I belong. I don't belong in the pulpit. I very rarely belong up here. Okay, and you know the the key is that um, the process of introspection is really really good, and figuring out and looking at all the characters of the scripture of the Bible and who you relate to that helps. That's a it's a it's a fantastic ministry to yourself. So three key things. Know who you are. Uh, know who you project by asking others. One of the best pieces of advice I got was from uh, one of my counselors at Word of Life. He said, ask what other people think, think you're good at because what you think you're good at doesn't necessarily mean that you are good at it. It means that you, that's what you've known or been exposed to. Find out what other people think you do well, and if you do that well, then God's wired you and made you to do that. So approach that. Okay? Uh, and at all costs, be who God created you to be. So personalizing it, take time to ponder who, uh, how God created you. Number two, listen to those who know you, that are godly and around you, and then just do it. Be who God created you to be. Um, uh, I've learned, you know, to really ignore uh, all the naysayers. God created me the way he created me. Yes, it's irritating at times, but it's still the way. It, it, if it irritates you, it's because God's pricking you on it because I'm just going to try to do what God's uh, created me to do. So, And God created us to stack chairs. So that's the only thing to leave you with is we have to stack the chairs at the end of the class here. Okay? Thank you.